0: Loosely adapted from Jane Austen's Emma.
1: It totally took place in the <laughs> 90s, though. <laughs> Find all of these books and more adaptations on our originals page at thenextreel.com slash originals.
0: Start your next read from the movies we've covered. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals today. No losses, I don't do lipo. A few screws loose in the head, I'm a psycho. Promise you the part this as real as the bike, though. Misunderstood. I'm Pete Wright And I'm Andy Nelson Welcome to the next reel When the movie ends Our conversation begins Love and basketball is over All's fair in love and basketball Baby You forgot to be there
1: If I stayed, I wouldn't be starting.
0: Oh, at least you got your priorities straight Look, I'm entering a draft I'm going pro
1: So that's it Just forget about you and me
0: I be crying, but I just can't. Let you. New Line Cinema presents a story about the passion it takes. I never knew anyone love ball as much as you. To keep your dreams alive. I've loved you since I was 11, and it just won't go away. This spring. I'll play you. One game, one on one. A what? Your heart. All's fair in love and basketball. Okay, Andy, we're talking about sports movies. Why'd we do sports movies? Sports. Sports, sports, sports. Because uh, we're so good we at sports. We were looking... <laughs>
1: Well, this is you know one thing we've learned about ourselves as we have been doing this show for eleven ish years is we may not be sports fans, but we sure are sports movies fans. Yes, and there are some just flipping fantastic sports movies. It's you know it's a great genre because you get these inspiring stories of of you know the the team trying to win or or the person making a comeback in their career or whatever the case may be. And we've talked about a number of different sports and. As we were looking, as we were building our season of films directed by women, uh, we noticed that there were a number of these films that were involving sports in some capacity. And we're like, you know, that could be a really interesting series to look at some of these coming at it from from a woman's perspective. And so, um, yeah, so we built this a uh, four movie series on sports. That's right. And it's we were talking about love and basketball. We're talking about. Girlfight, fight karen kusama's girl fight we're talking about Catherine hardwick's lords of dogtown and we're ending it with mira nair's queen of Katwe.
0: outstanding
1: chess is a sport yes it is it's a mental sport
0: yes it is um i would uh just suggest if you haven't seen Girlfight, it's kind of hard to come by so get with your library uh and we you found it how do you want to talk about how you found
1: it uh, yeah i'll talk i 'll mention it now so people can uh prep ahead of time, but also we 'll talk about it next week for sure yeah there is a fantastic video store up in Seattle called uh, Scarecrow Video that i guess it 's one of the last like the largest video stores out there that they're they 're really trying to carry versions of everything that they can get and oftentimes multiple versions in different formats like different regions or whatever and they have somewhat recently started a rent by mail program where you can actually rent their discs and have them sent to you and so that's that's what uh that's what we did we um reached out and uh, rented created an account and, and rented it and had it mailed to us very quickly, and uh, yeah so we're we're looking at Girl Fight through their uh, their d v d so um you know, show them some support, set up your own account, and check the movie out so you can watch it as well
0: and we should say they're not a sponsor. We just are very lucky that they have this movie, and for these hard to find movies, this might very well be a great resource for you all as well,
1: yeah, I know we've talked about some other movies in the past that have been rather challenging to track down. And so it's I mean, certainly is worth um, looking into if you want to watch some of these movies, because the fact that it's a rent by mail program um, when places like Netflix don't carry them. I mean, that's that's a big a win right there. And
0: it came to you in good shape, right? Packaged well, easy to return all that, all the good stuff.
1: The one, uh, it's not really a trick, but something to be aware of is that they, they they, charge a flat shipping fee for up to six movies or six discs, I should clarify. And so I, I, I checked, I rented the one movie and they're like, are you sure you don't want to rent some more? Because it's the same shipping price. I'm like, oh, fine. And so I found <laughs> I found some other movies that I could only find on disc that I also rented through them. And uh, so, yeah, I have this, they, they send me this giant um, package of six, uh, six disks and a return envelope. So as soon as I'm done, I just throw them all into this return envelope and drop it in the mail.
0: Fantastic. All right. Scarecrow video.
1: Yeah, awesome. Scarecrow video. Uh, yeah, we can make sure that the link is in the show notes, yeah. uh, especially for this series.
0: Absolutely. All right, so back to Love and Basketball.
1: Love and Basketball, Gina Gina Prince Boyd's uh her film debut. I mean, we've done a lot of debuts. This is her debut film and um yeah, it's a it's a great film to kind of kick off a career with. And uh, certainly we'll talk a little bit about how she ended up getting this made and everything. Um what what was your um how did you come into this movie? Had you seen it when it came out?
0: Yeah, I saw it when it came out, and I remember liking it okay. very, very much. And uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan, and mostly just uh, super excited about the perspective in this particular movie. It is unique and still just lovely. So, yeah, big
1: fan. I never saw it when it came out. I remember the trailers. And, you know, there's this period my wife and I um, just aren't uh, like you and me. My wife and I also are not sports people. Um, and so we saw this and we're like basketball. We're like, eh, I don't know if we want to go see the basketball romance. So we skipped it. And now we regret it because we watched it. And we're both like, wow, how have we missed this? It was such a sweet, charming, just wonderful relationship film.
0: Yeah, I um, I, I was talking to a friend and I said, um you know, I'm, we're doing Love and Basketball on the show. And they said, oh, I love that movie. And then proceeded to describe the Basketball Diaries. And let's just say <laughs> those are very, very different films that came out in the same, sort of roughly the same kind of period. And uh, so love it's important it, to basketball note-
1: Basketball Diaries are like five years before it or five or six it, years before, four yeah, or but, before five but years it,
0: yeah. it tells a similar, you know, a similar sort of period. And it has the word basketball- <laughs> In the name and but that's so, a
1: that's a drug movie though isn't it yeah
0: oh straight up crime yeah no it's not love and basketball that's what i'm saying i just want to correct anybody who hears the basketball or love and basketball and thinks oh i love that bruno kirby that's not this movie not that movie
1: uh, there should be a crossover film love and basketball diaries It
0: should absolutely should be
1: yeah the love and basketball diaries of a teenage girl
0: yeah interrupted well,
1: yeah, I'm now I'm playing Mandy's Saturday matinee yeah. game
0: Yeah We're gonna, I'm, gonna stop. I'm gonna put a stop yeah. to that
1: Stop me Stop me mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Alright well this film Was rated PG-13 When it was released For sexuality And language Misunderstood You can call me a typo I shine hotter Than the stars in the night Though Hate the who's who's Don't give me a typo Flipping in that sex I don't worry want to watch this movie and help us out well you can if you see an apple or an amazon link to the movie in the show notes you can click on it it'll take you right to their site you can rent or buy the movie and when you do this we get a little piece in return and you know what criterion collection recently released this as uh one of the films that they're carrying and if you go to amazon and you buy it that also helps us out. So one way or another, it's uh, it's kind of helping everybody. And, you know, you're helping yourself out because you get to watch this great movie.
0: Is this uh, is this streaming on the Criterion Channel collection? I didn't check. Huh. Yeah.
1: All right. I'm looking. I watched it on HBO, actually. Me too. Yeah.
0: Um, but I just, you know. Uh, another great service. Anyway, while you're checking that, let me just say, head over to it TrueStory.fm It's not okay. TrueStory.fm/slash TNR merch. You can see all the logos. You can see all the other merch that we are throwing together: shirts, stickers, mugs, mass pillows, and more. Uh, as we come up with stuff, we we have kind of a list of things. It's fair to say we've gotten a little bit behind on the merch, but we've been busy. We've been busy making podcasts, and so we're a little bit behind on the merch. But it's coming. It's coming. We've got design files. The files are in motion. We're, we're pushing pixels. So um, <laughs> uh, next dump, we're going to do a merch dump, I think is what they call it in the business. A merch dump. There will be lots of new things all at once uh, from this year's series. So See there you if we go. we can
1: finally get something that competes with Rusty, the European tour. Urgh,
0: yeah, man, <laughs> is that that's a mercurial beast, Rusty.
1: It is, it is. Uh, We would love to feature some audio reviews from you, our dear listeners. Just send us your audio file to reviews at truestory.fm. Once you watch the movie, we just might end up showcasing your voice on the show. Got to get them in quick. We do record about two weeks in advance. So get it recorded and send it over to reviews at truestory.fm.
0: And here's how you can study ahead. We know you're all good students. You all like to plan ahead. Your schedules, get it in your your uh, calendar. Get it in your to do system. Watch this movie. Here's how you can get ahead. You head over to letterboxd.com/slash/the-next-reel. That's our profile, our HQ profile page on Letterboxd.com, and you can see all of the movies we are going to talk about for this season. So you can get ahead and watch along with us as we talk about these things. And if you fall in love with the service and you want to get rid of ads and support a fantastic team developing this platform, the best social network for movie lovers, you can do that too. Just sign up for a pro or patron ma- membership and use the discount code NEXTREEL. We have put together a little redirect on our own site. If you visit thenextreel.com slash letterboxed, that's L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D, it will redirect you to the checkout page on letterbox.com and it will apply 20% off for your annual subscription. This works for renewals as well. I just did mine yesterday, came up for renewal. And uh, so Huzzah. I got I got my 20% off. Will you...
1: Just like Letterboxd, we also have a membership plan. Uh, We're on uh, Patreon's memberful platform. You just go right to our site, and you can subscribe at a month-to-month or an annual rate. You get all sorts of goodies. We have all sorts of bonus episodes that we are cranking out there. Our uh, April member bonus will have gone live by this point. We did Life Force, the crazy a big budget Toby Hooper uh, space vampire movie that uh, was a huge flop, but it's kind of a cult hit now. A lot of fun talking about that one. Who knows what our May member bonus episode will be, but the poll is likely already live in our Discord community where members are voting on what we're going to be talking about for our May member bonus episode. We also do a flick chart re ranking episode where we shake up our flick chart tree. And we do a retake episode at the end of each series where we talk about uh, all the movies that we looked at over the course of that particular series. Just head to truestory.fm slash TNR membership. You can learn about the membership tiers. The most it'll cost you is $5 a month or $55 per year.
0: Love and basketball, Andy. Mm. Are you in love and basketball? I am in love with this movie and basketball.
1: Mm-hmm. With this movie,
0: uh, this is it's a it's a it's a funny little movie, uh, coming of age movie. I think it's it's a good crossover. Would you agree? Uh,
1: it is very much a crossover with our coming of age debuts. Absolutely. Yeah weirdly not planned, but completely fits. <laughs>
0: I just love this movie because I love the kids so much. I love the way their relationship starts in the first quarter. I love the narrative arc, the way she constructs the movie in quarters. It feels like uh, it, it could very much end up cliche, uh, but it, you know, but it just doesn't, it it never telegraphs that. And the distinctly, like focusing on mostly uh, the the sort of female side of the relationship uh ends up being ultimately very rewarding for me over the course of this movie. What what did you think? As a first-time viewer, what did you think?
1: Yeah, no, I it was it was so easy to fall in love with this film. I mean it starts off with the two kids and it was it was first quarter. I was like, okay, so they're gonna do this cute thing where we're watching it um in, you know, in, you know, playing it up like quarters of a game. Yeah. Here we are, 1981. We're seeing them as kids. And I'm like, OK, this is and, you know, I had rewatched the trailer. So I remembered a lot of this sort of stuff and seeing these two kids. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's the two kids they meet and now they're friends. And so it wasn't um, it wasn't a surprising way to kind of start the film. But what I liked about it is the way that it develops the two kids as not just like future boyfriend, girlfriend, which I mean, they do become But the way that they become friends, and I'm like, it actually felt like a real development of a friendship. And, you know, maybe they're going to date, they have that little thing. Well, I guess, do you want to be my girlfriend? How long do we have to kiss? Five seconds, like that whole thing. It was adorable. And but then they still are just like rolling around in the grass beating each other up. I'm like, it felt just so authentic the way that this young little tomboy Monica uh, took on Quincy and the way that they Developed that friendship. And like, I, I feel like it's, it's refreshing to see a movie where you actually have a pair together through the entire film in a a friendship that dabbles. I mean, it's, it's like a, when Harry Met and, and actually I say that without or having forgotten that Prince Bythewood had said her goal was to do a Black When Harry Met Sally. And that's exactly what it is. Like, it's this friendship that dances with romance on and off over the course of the story. And I loved the way that it really felt like more than anything, an actual friendship was the core of the film. And I just, I, I was really drawn to the way that these two um, had that through the film.
0: Okay, so uh, the I, I got to say the kids are are really good. And I think sometimes that, you know, if if there's going to be a break, especially if you're going to, you know, have different people playing these characters over time, that's a place where I can be pulled out of the movie. I was not pulled out of the movie at all. Uh, when we transitioned to our our principal actors for the duration of the rest of the film, as they get into high school and, and college, that didn't bug me one bit. Uh, and that they were Equally believable as they aged over time, um, you know, with the movie in their careers, um, I thought they were just fantastic. What do you think of the the ultimate aging process?
1: I think that it's effective, and I mean, we should say Kyla Pratt, Glendon Chapman played the two young kid versions in nineteen eighty one, and then uh, yeah, they were great. And then when we get to Sanaa Lathan and omar epps as high school kids like in their senior year and then first year of college post-college uh, like and, and then I, I guess you get to a point where it's much later when you kind of flash to the very end of the film when we're kind of in um uh, you know 96 to 2000 when the has started up um I, I always kind of buy their growth like i feel like their characters fit with the ages they're playing. And I think both Sanaa and Omar latched onto elements within them that made them believable at that particular age for me. So,
0: what did you think of? Like, did you know? Do you, like, would you be able to pull Sanaa Lathan after seeing this movie? Did you recognize her?
1: Uh, like, from other things or at the time this came out?
0: Yeah, from other stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, she's like, I feel like. Out of Time, that movie she did with, with Denzel, Denzel right? I feel like that's um, where I picture her more. And the AVP movie um, are probably the main two films that I think of with her um but like when i look at her filmography i'm like oh of course she was in blade she was in the wood and the best man uh both right before this mm-hmm. um she was in uh, like well contagion something that everybody was in and then when she gets like into the 2013s and beyond it's just like she she pops up in so many things that i feel like she's just one of those people who's just always working i just haven't seen all of it but she's just seems to be always doing something and so that's you know something with her career where she's just a very busy uh, busy working actor.
0: Yeah, she really is. I find her to be one of those, you know, we always talk about these those guys who are like the faces, right? I find her to be sort of one of the faces and I had forgotten how much I loved her performance in this movie. Uh mostly because when I see her now the things I remember her in, she's like Generic agent or, you know, FBI deputy director Natalie Austin. And now you see me too. And, and because she, she wasn't a principal in that movie, it's like her, her sort of name and face fades into the tapestry of my feeling about that movie. And I just really, really like her. And I don't watch succession. Um, you know, which is another place where apparently she's, she shows up. Uh, quite a bit sure um, right yeah. so uh, anyway i i think she is really fantastic and what an easy choice to cast her as the person we are following through this film in in terms of our principal protagonist in this relationship
1: yeah no absolutely I, and and she just i mean i was I like i've seen her in so many different things but i've never thought of her as like this uh like an actor who could carry like a a dramatic role like this. And it's again, it's largely because I hadn't seen so many of her films that I just kind of felt like I'd seen most, like more of the genre sorts of things that she had been in. right? And um, so it was really great to see like, wow, she's, she's carrying off a fantastic performance here, you know, that um, makes me wonder, you know, would there have been a place for her in some larger awards conversations Um, that, that, you know, didn't end up happening just because of the type of, you know, kind of the sports drama that it is. Romance, you know, I feel like gets often left off by the wayside.
0: Oh, 100%. And when you look at what she does from her high school basketball career to her college experience on the court with that uh, hard-ass coach to her adult career, when she comes back and sees Omar and, and is wearing her suit... Uh, you know what she communicates in terms of aging over just that short sort of—I don't know what that would be—you know, eight years, ten years—actually um, is so uh, resonant and believable to me. I just really in- enjoy what she does there. What do you, what do you think about Omar? Are you an Epps fan? An Epp, Epp head?
1: Uh, he's another one. An Epp head? Yeah, <laughs> he's another one who I had seen um, probably since um, like Major League Two. And uh, when he kind of took over the role of, of Willie May Hayes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was um, he, he was very much kind of a sports person, but also popping up in like um, higher learning that John Singleton movie. And he had been in juice interestingly also named Quincy in that film and Scream 2 and so you know Mod Squad he popped up in that uh just one of those guys who is in a variety of films that uh, you know I didn't I didn't necessarily watch all of his stuff but um I always enjoy seeing him when he does pop up and I feel like He's one of those actors who had done a lot of interesting genre films that I was really enjoying and then moved into TV for so many different things like House and This Is Us. And I just um, I've kind of lost track of him because he seems to be doing so much of that sort of stuff.
0: Did you uh, did you see Higher Learning, uh, John Singleton?
1: Uh, No, I never did. But I just remember like that. I don't know. That was one where the cast was talked about so much, like when it came out, because it was such an interesting um, big cast of of great faces that singleton had put together for that one
0: yeah yeah i uh of course he gets stabbed in the ear in scream 2
1: in the with his in the bathroom right?
0: yeah in the bathroom through the stall uh, which is great he's briefly in that but of you know my love of dr house he was in house for a long time i, I think from i don't know eight years something like that um uh, and i i really enjoyed him on that show
1: uh, so it, he won three uh, image awards yeah. for that and then was nominated um, three other times plus a SAG uh, award for ensemble in a drama series so I mean very recognized for his role in that show. yeah
0: well and it's funny that we go from uh, talking about Booksmart with Olivia Wilde and her experience on house directly to Omar and his experience on house I we it's old home week for house <laughs> what can we do with actual Dr. House next week? Hmm. Well, we should have thought of that. Uh, anyway, I, <laughs> I really, really like him too. He is, I, I, watching this, I, he takes off his shirt and he's ridiculously cut. And I, the, my first thought was if this movie had been made 12 years later, he would have been snatched up from Marvel. Like he, he, he cuts up a, a Marvel superhero.
1: Let's not cut him out of that conversation because I think both of these two would be great to throw into that in some capacity. Absolutely, they're just they're they're magnetic people to watch on screen, especially. And again, just going back to this whole idea of this friendship slash relationship of watching the two of them over the course of this film, like I I buy. A hundred percent of the time that there is an actual relationship between the two of them, like this friendship of kids who grew up next to each other who like like that moment where he his parents are fighting and he crawls out of his window, knocks on her window, and he just goes and she gives him a blanket and he goes to sleep on the floor I'm like God, this is like there is a real history between these two, the yeah. way that they portrayed their their lives together, growing up yeah i I think so too,
0: super believable, and the fact that uh, well, I guess this is a whole sort of separate conversation, but in these these kinds of movies, you generally run into the infidelity sequence. Um, there is a, a period in college where we have a uh, the insinuation of infidelity.
1: It's it's a romance film. And so when you're looking at conflict or in a romance film, it's usually another person. So it makes yep, sense. And you get it a couple one. ways. You you get you get him, um, you know, being potentially unfaithful uh, but also as kind of a thematic through line, you get the reflection of that as as he confronts it, it with his father and mother and what it's done to his own family.
0: Right, right. And I, one of the things I think that is a highlight in this movie is the fact that the infidelity, the confrontation of the infidelity ends up feeling particularly human. And you bring up that he's confronting it dealing with it in his own family with his father and mother, that's actually an interesting choice in this story, right? That they don't make it our principal players who are dealing with that. Like, he didn't go out and have sex with a fan and end up having a baby with with her, right? It, It was his dad. And I think that sort of levels up the complexity of his struggles with infidelity. The fact that he ended up choosing to make his exploration of romance with somebody else um, only overt enough to cause that he thought could cause a reaction. I mean, that's at least my impression of it, that he was using that as a as a tool um, to kind of spark something in their relationship because it wasn't it wasn't moving in the direction that he wanted to. He was feeling alone. He was feeling lonely. He was feeling like she wasn't, um, you know, paying enough attention to him as he was struggling and dealing with these feelings with his dad, that she was too focused on on basketball in that moment. Um, and that his feelings are so... Ironic, given his relationship with basketball, right, that they both are are struggling with balancing their relationship with their with their sport. I thought made for such a rich texture of this, uh, of all of their relationships that that I think is unique and and didn't feel just dirty to me. You know, it didn't feel just sorted. Um, it, It felt much more nuanced and human than I think it could have been.
1: It was never about like a um a, a growing relationship or a even a sexual relationship or anything that he was drawn into because of another person. Yeah. It really was about the relationship he was in and his um you know, his frustrations with it. And you know, misreading it, and 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 certainly, I think there's, you know, just like the sport itself, there was very much kind of a masculine view of basketball, and she wanted to be the first woman in the NBA, and all this sort of stuff. And this was because it all takes place before the WNBA existed, which started in I believe '96, and so there is still that mentality that he's upset at her because she didn't show up for his game but you know she's the one who always has to do that and and you know when she says oh you didn't come to my game and and he's like yeah i was busy and it's it's the, it's not the same reaction it's almost like she's not allowed to have that same reaction it's like she's saying when she's playing ball he's allowed to get in people's faces and when when he does that on the court it's looked at like yeah that's awesome that he's doing that when she does it it's looked at hey you're not being womanly mm-hmm. you need to calm down And there's very much that sort of mentality that they're both kind of growing with because she's she's becoming more popular in the sport and he's becoming not necessarily popular, but she's she's proving herself a a, a strong athlete finally. And people are seeing it, whereas he's hit this point where his his career is kind of falling a little bit apart because of what happened with his family and his dad. And so he's messing up on the court and, and he's, he feels like he's losing it. He feels like he's losing her. And so you're right. It's not about that other relationship. It's about, he needs to do something to feel like, you know, to provoke her in some way into that spark. And it's, I, I really liked the way that it was uh, portrayed, especially coming after everything that happened with his family.
0: Well, and, and the stuff that happens with his family, I think, is important. Like his dad, Dennis Haysbert, who, <laughs> you know, is fantastic, whether he's in an insurance commercial or uh, or this or 24. I just I'm I'm ai am what am I? Ooh, a hay haystack. A haystack. <laughs> I'm a haystack.
1: <laughs> a hazebird. A real haze bug. Yeah. Um, you know, it, but Dennis Haysburg also just Debbie Morgan as yes. the mom. Like oh, she's As a pair. Yeah, as a pair. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, they're really great. And and his the uh, dad's uh, position is you you got it. Like you're going to school for ball. You've got to get your education. Right. Get your education, and then. His, coming from
1: a pro ball play, yeah
0: pro, coming yeah, from a pro play. Play. like it yeah. has weight and and he 's on that track, and then his the relationship blows up, his dad loses credibility with his son, the son chooses to drop out and go pro, and that as it turns out, ultimately, i guess was a mistake um, yeah. it, you know yeah. it's, that's I, I feel like that 's what the movie is is planting us with, but it takes us to the uh the finale or like the final sequence of the film where. You know, she has come back from her uh, experience abroad for the International um, uh, League playing in Spain and their relationship is rekindled. We can talk about kind of that final sequence, which is fantastic. But he is on the sidelines with their child in his lap and she's the one playing ball. Uh, And finally, we have a big crowd seeing her. Uh, for what she is and what her team is able to do on the court. And he's the one on the sideline. And that, I think, again, is the real benefit of of Prince, by the way, perspective here that, you know, we're really focusing on how a relationship can sustain uh, and ultimately how it ends up with the, you know, non-traditionally, right? But it's never confirmed whether or not he maintains any
1: sort of basketball career at all. Yeah. Right, right,
0: right. I mean, what's your? Do you have a head cannon on that? I,
1: uh, you know, I, I, I mean, you know, he injured himself. We we didn't mention that he had torn his ACL, uh, falling from uh, having. Had done a slam dunk, landed wrong and tore his ACL. And we do see him trying, like he's, you know, in training, trying to get his, his, his leg back. And he never quite seems like he's getting there. So my impression was that he ended up just, um, dropping out and, um, maybe went back to school who knows, but regardless, um, you know, is there for her as she continues her career.
0: Which I think is is the right way to do it, and especially on the heels of a, a wonderful montage where she's they're both of their careers. Like it's he's playing for the Lakers, and she is playing, and we cut back and forth. And every time we see him, he's in a big sta- you know stadium, and there are all kinds of um, you know there are lights and flashes and people screaming. And then we cut to her, and she's doing great. And there's no there's practically nobody in the In the audience, hardly a crowd crowd at all, uh, while he is really foundering on the pro uh, court. Uh, Awesome, awesome conflict.
1: I will say, I when I was in uh, college, I worked with the sports video department, and I, I was the cameraman for the women's basketball team, and I would travel with them. And it was actually funny watching some of this, because I'm like, I filmed our team playing at, uh, at USC, like, you know, at one of our <laughs> championships. And so it was really funny to kind of watch some of these things. But I'll tell you, like those women's basketball games at least at our school they drew some serious crowds and this was yeah. mid 90s right i mean right up to the point when the wnba uh right actually right i think i left that right before the wnba uh, was created in 96 but um it was uh, i mean the men's basketball teams always drew bigger crowds it was a thing but um even so, like our women's team was far better than our men's team, and they still drew some they drew some pretty big crowds i I will say, and they were a lot of fun to watch so um it was it was great to see um and and I think that's the thing that it was there there needed to be that shift in society that allowed the wnba to exist because i mean i've been to wnba games i've been to nba games i find them all exhilarating it's just it's a different kind of uh basketball because you're not getting like the the showboat like you know slam dunks and things like that in the wnba but there's so much more strategy and a lot more um you know teamwork going on in the wnba games that i find um work really well
0: just as an aside do you remember any of the did any of the players that you filmed end up anywhere in the WNBA?
1: Mm, no i know some of them were going abroad to play in other countries yeah i don't think so because let's see they would have been i guess they could have been players in the WNBA when it started up but you know the way that sports is it's always looking for that fresh young uh those fresh young players Mm -hmm. and i wonder because it was it was still just a couple years before the wmba was created i wonder if some of them would have been already kind of on the maybe uh, like on the back end of their careers in the wmba once it already started so but it's it's possible
0: well i i remember those days because you ditched me all the time because you had (laughs) you had a game
1: i know yeah. it was uh there was a lot of that
0: There was a lot of hey, that. hey
1: you know what i i got like two championship rings out of i that. know i was I, i'm not if, gonna complain are dude. you do you still do you
0: still wear them ever because let me tell you every one of those women was like a foot
1: taller than you are <laughs> i oh it was embarrassing how little i was did i tell you like because when i would travel with them i was always rooming with the team mascot and <laughs> That was the stinkiest thing. Like those people who have to wear those things, they sweat so much in those outfits, and I—it's like I could barely breathe in the room because it just permeated the whole room. And oh, it's the worst, worst smell. Those things.
0: That's so funny. So (laughs) funny. Did you ever? Did they ever let you like put it on? Did you? I put put the head
1: on once, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna throw up in here. It smells so bad. No, I would never do that again. (laughs) <laughs> I think, you know, it's your own sweat. You get used to it. But when it's someone else's, you're like, oh, yeah, no. gross. Uh, uh, OK, yeah, yeah. where were we? Anyway, we're on find a, we're the on rails. A, um, yeah, find the rails. Right. So we're ta- Oh, OK. So we're talking about um, the infidelity and the parents. So we're talking about Dennis Haysburg, Debbie Morgan. OK. Uh, and then on the other side, we have Alfrey Woodard and uh, Harry Lennox as as Monica's yeah. mom and dad. We don't see. Um, her dad too often, but I did just want to call out Harry Lennox because he's one of those faces that I've always enjoyed seeing him pop up and stuff. You know, he's, he's kind of a, he's been a bit player quite a bit, but he does pop up a lot in, uh, just everything. He's one of those always, always working people. Who's just, I mean, so so busy. He's
0: he's big in he's he's in the the DC Extended Universe. He was in Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League as as Martian Manhunter. Um, right. Yeah. He pops up. He there. He pops right. up there a little bit. Uh, you know, not so much that we get to see him, but he's been in a ton of stuff. Um, and uh, I mean, very very busy actor, uh, Harry Lennox.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But this was this was very early in his uh, in his career at like it just in terms of years like he's st- his first he was an inmate in 1983 in bad boys. Um, but then in starting 1989, he's he's got multiple things popping up in multiple things every every year.
1: Almost. Well, he was one of the guys in five heartbeats, right? Yeah, that's was right. He, um, he was in five heartbeats. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, he's just one of those people I've I've seen everywhere. But I got to say, OK. I want to talk a little bit about the moms because I found both Alfred Woodard and Debbie Morgan gave just incredible performances that were so different um yeah. as these two moms. You know, we have Debbie Morgan as the mom who is always frustrated with her husband and his his constant late working and stuff which is, you know, we all know it's just movie code for having an affair mm-hmm. even though they may not realize it but <laughs> Until they do. But he's having affairs. She's very upset when she has that conversation with her son sitting by the pool like that was just broke my heart. It was just such a fantastic conversation that she she really, uh, you know, I thought brought a lot to that role. And then Alfrey Woodard, as the mom who is the housewife, who. She and Monica don't see eye to eye because she's more of the the she's the homemaker and Monica is the tomboy and they're always butting heads. But they have some great conversations, especially toward the end, as they both realize they had been looking at each other wrong and they hadn't been giving each other, um, you know, the a fair shake. And like that conversation that they have toward the end of the film was just it was a, it was a heartbreaking and eye opening um, conversation And you can I mean, this is why you get these great actresses in a story like this, because they give such rich and nuanced performances that don't feel um, just, you know, cookie cutter. There's there's a lot of unique stuff going on in in their performances here.
0: Well, what is uh, speech? Particularly at the end when she's talking about how, you know, just because she would rather bake a pie than do a layup is, is you know, if that's dainty, then she'll take it, right? That whole speech uh, is so good and heart-wrenching because it doesn't have to be about basketball, right? I, I have those conversations with my own daughter in college and because she's moved in a direction with her life that in many cases I don't understand exceptionally proud of what she's able to do but it's not me anymore right it used to be that anything i did she did and we were fine uh but that for me that's what this scene is all about it's about the fact that that lives you know parent and child lives split and uh coming to terms at, at navigating the emotions around the the loss and the grief and the pride and enthusiasm for their future direction is you know it is the the mark I think of of the transition from parent to you know friend and colleague and and you know peer. Uh so I thought that was really special and so powerful. And she's just so good. So good.
1: Well especially on, on the flip side of that conversation, when she she's just like you never even wanted me at your games anyway, and she's and she's like mom, I always wanted you at my games. Right, and that's just like for both of them to like not recognize these things, uh, almost to the point where they they purposefully were avoiding, you know only to realize how how much they were affecting the other person. Like, that was, it was such a powerful moment in the film for me. It just, I mean, it just really hit me. And, you know, yeah, I mean, with my own daughter, she's also very athletic, and she's into sports right now, and... <laughs> My wife and I were laughing as we were watching this because when we were watching young Monica in high school, like, you know, yelling at the people and breaking down and stuff, we're like, oh, my God, we're watching our own daughter. <laughs> <Because> she's, a, <laughs> she's a little bit of a spitfire. We're like, oh, this is going to make it hard for her as she kind of continues her career. But wow. it is one of these things where you also are, are having to figure out, OK, how do you gauge? What do you say? What do you let them deal with their coach? And you just step back and they have to find their own way forward. And it's it's a whole thing. And it's, you know, it is a challenge for parents because you're parenting, but also you're not necessarily the person that they're looking to for guidance in that particular arena.
0: Yeah, right. That's it. It's hard, and I think that's one of the things that this movie does very, very well is is demonstrate that. And on the other side too, the the challenge of knowing too much about what your child is doing, right? Because Haysbert plays the the basketball star playing for the Clippers. Is that a thing? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I tune that out. They they names come up, and I'm I'm done. <laughs> uh, but but he knows a lot about the direction that his kid is moving in. And they are professional sports family, and so can you know too much? Does that uh, also provide uh, fodder for conflict? And I think this movie, you know, doesn't weigh in too hard on that because there is already uh, the emotional weight of the infidelity going on on that side. I, I can't, like, that might have been a hat on a hat for that family relationship, but it's certainly there. And, um, uh, I, I really, I mean, I, I just so appreciate those parental relationships in a way that I know I didn't the first time I saw it. I was just, you know, waiting for the for the hookups. But um
1: well, there was also that that point in the relationship between father and son where the son asks him, how can you be preaching all this stuff to me that you're not even doing yourself? And like, I found that to be like a, a strong point also that he has because dad's just like, you know, it's hard, you know, and, and I think that's the thing is like it's never easy to parent and we're always making mistakes and we're always trying to figure stuff out. And we're always trying to teach our kids the right way to do things, even if, you know, we're screwing up our, you know, in, in ways. But we're also trying to we're doing it because we know, well, you know what? I made a big mistake here. Let me show you. Let me try to guide you so you don't end up going down that same road. And so it's it's I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of interesting things about kind of that that um, parental relationship with their kids about, like, how do you properly teach your kids uh, when you're still struggling yourself?
0: Yeah, you really are. You really are.
1: Are you saying me? <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> uh, Gina, 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 Gina uh so so Gina um had gone to uh was she a UCLA? I want to say she was a UCLA uh, student and um had kind of gone to film school. This was a story that she had put together and um worked to get it into the Sundance Institute. And uh, you know we've talked about that a lot with these coming of age debuts, or in our last series, because it's a great way. To get your film out there, to get that debut film made, and so she was. Uh, it was part of the Sundance Institute, and Spike Lee ended up coming on as an executive producer, and uh, and she says he's a big reason that she could get this made, where she could also direct her own script, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, it's pretty fantastic that they were able to kind of put all that together to do that. And you know, she's a director that I I've seen uh, sadly very little of her work other than I think some episodes No, you know, I was going to say, I thought there were some episodes of some of her TV stuff, but I don't think I've seen any of her episodes and I missed like the, the secret life of bees. I missed that. Uh, beyond the lights, that looked really interesting. I missed that. The old guard, that looked interesting. I missed that. Uh, the woman king, that one's coming out. So I feel like I've really missed her work and which is a shame because I think she did such a great job here. Where, where do you stand with her?
0: Very similar. Right now I'm just trying to look because she was on the team in this movie, right? You catch, she
1: was the, she was a very small, like a bit player at some point. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I, I don't have a uh, secret life of bees in my calendar but I did watch the old guard andy and I did not care for it like hard I didn't care for it Uh and oh, wow. it it makes me frustrated because I didn't know um uh, I I I had no context for her direction of this movie and uh that it it feels like a completely different like there's no uh sense that this is the same person who who made this movie and that's that's hard because uh i i but i haven't
1: seen much other stuff i did totally yeah totally I, different type of movie though
0: oh totally 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 i do i, I did watch uh, obviously i've seen cloak and dagger i watched the whole thing I, I was a fan of that um did not see the golden girls reimagined her short film um <laughs> beyond the lights what was beyond the lights did we see that
1: that was a that was a romantic uh drama that came out it looked Really good. Gugu mbatha is in oh, it, and love her. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, it it got great press when it came out. I I can't remember what the premise is. I just remember it, it was a romance, and it looked really interesting. And I was like oh huh, that looks like something that that i might want to check out oh, mini driver I just completely missed it completely uh, superstar
0: missed it. singer Nani is on the edge and then she meets kaz a young cop and helps her find the courage to develop her own voice and become the artist she's meant to be uh okay that is what it is but i do like gugu uh a lot yeah, uh, yeah
1: she's that's fantastic
0: super, super fun um so, no, I uh, apart from Old Guard and that cloak and dagger, uh, that's I haven't seen anything else that she's done. Curious about the woman king. Um, the, yeah. uh, the
1: historical epic follows Naniska, the general of the Dahomey Amazons, and Na'wi, an ambitious recruit in the kingdom of Dahomey. Yeah. The film will depict how the pair fought enemies who violated their honor, enslaved their people, and threatened to destroy everything they have lived for.
0: So, that's chipper.
1: Wow. That sounds like just a crazy, epic uh, period film. Yeah. So I'm curious, really Check curious about cast, what she's going to do. Yeah.
0: Boyega's in it as King Gezo. Viola Davis uh, is in it, uh, uh, who I like to call um, uh, Woodard's Woodard, uh, the other alfred Woodard. Sometimes I call Alfred Woodard the other Viola Davis because they're both I I what they they are draws for me at this point. Like I'll see pretty much whatever they do. I think they're fantastic. Um yeah, man, great. Looks like a great cast.
1: Interesting. Based on a story by Maria Bello. That's interesting.
0: Maria Bello?
1: yeah what is up with that based on a story by maria Bello. what and then dana stevens and gina maria
0: herself. Bello, like er maria Bello.
1: yeah like uh coyote ugly coyote cooler, ugly. History of <laughs> violence yeah yeah all of these things oh she's on as a producer yeah apparently well yeah i guess it was her idea how interesting is that uh, this sounds crazy i totally want to check it out yeah well art art yeah, comes the, the, from anywhere. amazon's the Dahomey Amazons were a fawn all-female military regiment of the kingdom of Dahomey, which existed until 1904. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, all-female Amazons. Uh, that is going to be a crazy film. Um, I You know, that comes out in September. I may try to just watch the other three of her films before that one hits because, um, you know, I, I'm really curious about her career, and I'd like to see more of her work because I think that um, – you know she's an interesting storyteller. I know you weren't a fan of the old guard. I I feel like a lot of people weren't fans of it, but I I'm curious. It, it's one that I'm curious about.
0: It's a frustrating. It's a frustrating movie. Like I, I I think you should see it, and then let's talk about why you love it and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, this film uh, shot by Ronaldo Villa Villa Lobos, who um, uh, I, I think did a good job. Also a director. And I believe, gosh, when did we talk about him? I, uh, nine to five, uh, we talked about him. Definitely did a lot of that sort of movie through the 80s, um, including the first uh, Major League, another film that we talked about yeah. on this show. Um, so uh, I guess just those are the few that we've talked about. Um, but I, I thought the look was great. It didn't need to necessarily go like CP or anything. I, I thought that the different periods were fine the way they were. So I yes. enjoyed that. Yep. Terrence Blanchard did the music. And I got to say with the music, Terrence Blanchard and this soundtrack, oh, so this good. is one of these movies that like the soundtrack, I'm like, God, like every song like works. I, I mean, it's not like all my favorite songs, but like everything worked so well in context of the movie. I,
0: my favorite part is there at the dance club. Uh, and he's, it's like, so eighties, so, so eighties. And he <laughs> ends up saying, man, this DJ is awesome. I'm like, oh
1: my God. Oh, that, that was the, that was the high school dance. That right? was the high school when dance. That's right. Yeah, that's the, right.
0: Yeah. Uh, man, the DJ was not awesome.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, it was it, for the eighties you, and you're a, you're, you have an aversion to eighties music. It works well in context of the movie. It, it does. does, it does. I'm, not,
0: I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing with you right now. I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> it works for the movie.
1: Oh, too oh, funny. Damn. Too funny. Okay. All right. Any last thoughts about this one?
0: No. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Right. It's All a great right. movie. I'm so glad you It is a great movie. It. so
1: glad you finally Got to see it. I am too. And it's definitely something. I, I mean, seriously, it's one that I would actually consider picking up uh, with, on the Criterion disc just because it would be a nice one to have on the shelf. I just, I mean, it's just such an easy film. Like my wife and I, I could see us easily watching this. I could see us watching this with our kids. Just, I mean, it's a great movie. All around great movie. Great movie. All right. Well, we will be right back. But first, the credits. On the wall, who's the baddest son of Pop it like a metal wall. Like a basketball. Mirror, mirror on the,
0: wall. The, the next reel is a production of true story fm engineering by andy nelson music by we are the good Oriol novella and eli Catlin. andy usually finds all the stats and for the awards and numbers at d-numbers.com box office mojo.com imdb.com and wikipedia.org find the show at true story.fm and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews please consider doing that for our show Uh, two things that we didn't say, one that they started dating in real life right before production began. did that do you think have an impact on the believability of their relationship and <laughs> uh two she'd never played basketball before. I'm a complete rube when it comes to seeing basketball on screen, like I know when basketball is bad, but I don't really know when basketball is good. I just think all basketball that isn't bad is good uh and so. I loved the basketball in this movie. They all look very talented to me. Just like I love
1: that that taekwondo and karate kid. Yeah, right. I loved that. That It was called (laughs) karate. I would never have known (laughs) if it hadn't been called out. That's right. So. yeah no, I mean it, it, honestly that I mean we don't we don't see a lot of like intense plays like we're not watching like the big match. like this is not one of those films like will the team win? And so it's not like we're not watching like major court moves and stuff. you know we but we do have a few key things that that obviously play well to show um, her early stages as a player, being kind of um, hot-headed. And you know, one of my favorite moments was when she she she, she shoots that three pointer, and then she's just standing there with her arm up, doing her little pose as it as it you know it was a perfect three point shot. It was just like just nothing but net sort of shot. Yeah. Meanwhile, the other team has grabbed the ball, ran down the court, and already shot another basket. And the coach calls her out. And it was just like, all right, you're standing over here with your arm up for that the rest of the time. And I'll tell you, college coaches are like that. They definitely uh, do not take guff for any of that sort of uh stuff so <laughs> that i i loved that moment in the film the, that was a perfect call out right there yeah okay so uh, so yeah that is crazy though yeah that she had not played basketball because i i bought it like i thought she did great i thought both of them played well looking like they were real players yeah
0: absolutely totally believed it yeah uh
1: yeah. okay uh
0: so how to do at awards season
1: Uh, You know, it did well for itself. 13 wins, 15 other nominations. Before I get into the rundown, I do have a question for you. So looking at the Academy Awards in this would have been 2001 for the films that came out in 2000, I just want to run these by you. Best actor. Would you throw Omar Epps in this mix? Russell Crowe in Gladiator, Ed Harrison Pollock, Jeffrey Rush in Quills, Javier Bardem in Before Night Falls, and Tom Hanks in Castaway. I haven't seen Quills. Don't know. Oh, I would not take Jeffrey Rush out for that film. He is crazy. He's Marquis de Sade. He is oh, the delicious.
0: Yeah, delicious. Okay. No, I wouldn't put Omar Epps in I there.
1: don't think I would either.
0: I don't think I'd put Omar Epps in there either, And any of them.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's look at Best Actress. Uh, we have Julia Roberts and Erin Brockovich, Ellen Burstyn, Requiem for a Dream, Joan Ellen, The Contender, Juliette Binoche, Chocolat, and Laura Linney, You Can Count on Me.
0: You Can Count on Me is the, is the one I haven't seen in that list.
1: Oh, That's great. So i great, great I have to say,
0: I don't think I would take any of them out, would you?
1: I may take Juliette Binoche out and put Sanaa Lathan in instead for chocolat. do you think um, i I would be okay putting this film in instead of chocolat, which is fine. It's a fine film, yeah, it's not a film, like and her performance is great. um, I felt like. Her performance came so much on the fact that she had just won a few years uh, before for The English Patient, yeah. and there was a lot of love for her, and there was a lot of love for um, uh, Lassie Hallstrom's kind of, you know, fantastical, magical, m- happy stories that he would tell. yeah. Um, but I would, I think I would put Sanaa instead of Juliet okay. for that line up there.
0: I, then I agree with you, Andy. You know, <laughs> I'm a better man
1: when I just say yes to whatever you say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you have finally realized that it's taken far too long to get to this point. Far yeah. too
0: long. Far too long. Far yeah. Too All long. right.
1: Okay. Uh, the other awards. At the BET Awards, uh, Sana won Best Actress, and Omar was nominated for Best Actor, but we're going to see this a lot. He lost to Denzel Washington in Remember the Titans. At the Black Reel Awards, it won for Best Soundtrack, Best Film Poster, Best the- Actress in a Theatrical Performance, Best Director for a Theatrical Film, Best Song, Fool of Me – and best film also nominated for best actor uh but again uh Omar lost to Denzel best screenplay play theatrical lost to the visit which i'm not familiar with best and then two other songs were also nominated dance tonight and i'll go but again both of those lost to fool of me at the independent spirit awards uh, Gina won best first screenplay the film uh, or Sana lost best female lead to Ellen Burstyn Requiem for a Dream I can see that uh, best. I, yeah, and I should say, I would have put Sanaa in that lineup, but I wouldn't have given her the award because there were some strong performances that year. Um, Also, uh, Best First Feature, it was nominated but lost to You Can Count On Me. At the NAACP Image Awards, uh, Sanaa won Outstanding Actress. Uh, Alfre Woodard won Best Supporting Actress. Uh, The film won Best... No, and it was nominated for Most Motion Picture but lost to Remember the Titans. Omar again lost to Denzel. And you should love this, Kyla Pratt, who played the young Monica, she was nominated for Best Youth Actor or Actress, lost to Aaron Meeks in Soul Food. There's another great film. Yeah, At the MTV Movie and TV Awards, Omar again lost Best Male Performance, although this time, and this speaks to MTV Movie and TV Awards, lost to Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible (laughs) 2 of all things. (laughs) Oh, and man. at the Teen Choice Awards, I just am doing this because these these loses for Omar just keep coming. He lost Best Film Choice Actor to Freddie Prince Jr. in oh, Down to You. God. The film lost choice drama to the sixth sense. And the film lost choice chemistry between Sanaa and Omar to Courtney Cox and David Arquette in Scream Three.
0: Oh my God.
1: <laughs> oh those
0: teens. Oh, teens. Oh man. Freddie Prince, oh my God, that does not age
1: well at. Down all. to you. That was the one with Julia Stiles, and I don't remember. I, like I know that movie exists, but I couldn't tell you a thing about it. Yeah, that's rough. Uh, down to you. Uh, a young man wins and loses the first serious love of his life. Wow.
0: Okay. Well,
1: the irresistible comedy about giving first love. A second chance.
0: But is it memorable?
1: Ooh, that's a, that's what, the yeah. tricky one. 4.9 wow. on IMDb. Freddie Prinze. 4.9.
0: <laughs> okay. How to do at the box office, Andy.
1: Well, Prince by the Woods film cost a cool $15 million to make. That is a fantastic budget for a first feature, with an estimated Prince and advertising budget of $5 million for a total of $20 million, or $29.8 million in today's dollars. The movie opened April 21st, 2000, opposite u 571 Gossip and the limited releases of The Virgin Suicides, which we mentioned back in that episode, and Cropier, fantastic film. The film opened in the number three spot and stayed in the top 20 for seven weeks. It went on to earn $27.5 million domestically and 268000 internationally, clearly not something international audiences were clamoring for, for a total of $41.3 million in today's dollars. That lands the film with an adjusted profit per finished minute of $93,000.
0: Not bad. Not bad. That's great. That's pretty I think good. They, you know what? For, for a little, first film, I would movies, it. First film. Yeah. I had it do in Spain, though. Did all of the money earned internationally happen in Spain? Because, you know, she was there.
1: She was there. That's it. That's, you know, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I bet I could uh, find out if you really wanted to know.
0: Well, you shouldn't have said that. Because now I want to do a whole episode on Spain. And the <laughs> Spanish love of this movie. Okay. Uh, that this is a is a fantastic movie. Glad you got to talk about it. Glad I got to watch it again. And um, now I want, I I wish that they had stayed together. They didn't stay together, but I'm I'm absolutely standing Epps Lathan.
1: We should just say though, this is one of those weird films that has a post credits moment. That it's like, oh, of all the films that has a post credits scene. I wouldn't have expected this to be it, but it is. There is, in fact, a shot of their young toddler uh, with a ball going up to uh, shoot a little, you know, shoot it in a little tiny hoop.
0: Which is very cute. It was,
1: it was cute. It it's is very cute. It's cute. It, it's, it's a fun little way to substantive drop it in there. Yeah. It's not. No. But, you know, in, in the world of, like... Things that are added at the end of credits, which I always find fascinating when directors decide to throw something in there. It was when I'm like, oh, I wasn't expecting to see this here. That's kind of cute.
0: Yeah, especially in 2000. It wasn't all that popular a thing to do yet.
1: Well, that's why, like, I think it's interesting because, you know, like, you know, it's like, you know, when directors do that, it's just such a strange little thing. Yeah. So, All right. All right. Well, I loved it. It was a fantastic film. I'm glad. Uh, We're kicking off our new series with this one because it was great. And uh, now we will be right back for the ratings, but first, here's the trailer for next week's movie, Karen Kusama's Girl Fight. You in trouble again? This is your fourth fight this semester.
0: You look like a loser in there.
1: You might want to find someone who can help you deal with this.
0: my brother you little... take it easy i want to train with you i want to be a boxer Wait out, aerobics am i talking to you there's plenty of things you could do better with your life than box prove it i'll train you you
1: don't sweat for me you're out of my life i'm
0: training to be a boxer you mean like power? you are crazy where is this one guy 100% man, if you know what I mean. And how would you know about this percentage?
1: It's a dangerous sport. Aren't you afraid of getting hurt?
0: I didn't make the cheerleading team.
1: Boys are different from girls.
0: No girl has what it takes to be a boss. You're embarrassed.
1: You have lost your mind.
0: Sorry. Don't be sorry. Don't ever be sorry. So what does it take? To be great, I
1: mean a real strong will. You know, they say love kills in the ring. I love you. Are you scared of me? No. That's funny. You look scared. Move. Inside, you know yourself. I do. And that's all you need.
0: All right, Andy, here's it's time for Letterboxd. Time
1: for Letterboxd. It is.
0: Uh, how'd you how'd you end up with this one? Did you did you go um, full five?
1: i uh, not quite. Like I feel <laughs> there is so much to love about it, but I think I'm, you know, I feel good at a four and a half with this one. Four and a half at a big heart.
0: I'm uh, no half stars, Pete. Uh, and if I, if I go, if if I go four stars, that feels too low. I'm I have to be five stars. <laughs> it has to be five hey, stars and a heart for this movie.
1: I, I, I loved, loved it. it. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's a great, great movie. And uh, I'm. What did you
0: give when Harry Met Sally?
1: Is that a five star movie? That's a five star movie. And this movie is
0: not five. This is a a four-and-a-half-star movie. It makes me think you're a little racist.
1: (laughs) Or uh, it's a basketball thing. Who knows?
0: (laughs) That's right. Okay. You're just broken because of your experience uh, sitting in the the booth taping these things. Is that where they put you? They put you up in the stands?
1: I was on a platform at the very top. Filming all the way down because the coach needed to get like the full court view. Yeah, like I mean, if she could have, she would have put me like on the on the um the catwalk directly looking over the top of the court so that she could get a better view. But yeah, I like I would imagine that's where she would love to have had me. But no, I was I was all the way at the back on the on the stand filming, and um, so yeah.
0: All right. Well, I was
1: not one of the floor guys on the court filming for, like, the TV shots. Because that's not what coaches want. They need the broad perspective of where is everybody? What are you doing on the court when the ball's over here, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Okay. Well, I definitely, uh, at Five Stars and a Heart, I win this round. And um, you, you, get to li- you get to live with it.
1: So what did you think about Love and basketball. We want to know. Hop into the Show Talk channel over in our Discord community, where we will be talking this week about the movie. When the movie ends. Our conversation begins.
0: Letterboxd giveth, Andrew.
1: As Letterboxd always doeth.
0: So giveth, it so giveth. <laughs> what? Uh, what? had you, what, what was your strategy for your letterbox pick this
1: week? Um, I just picked one that I said, "Oh, I'll pick that one." A lot of thought. Uh, you know, a lot of
0: thought went into this one.
1: How? I, how I, you know, passed a lot of tests. Oh, I'll just pick this one. Dart, darts, darts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, go ahead. Give it to me. What do you got? All right. I got Bryce Resivuers. Uh, four and a half. I'll uh, right where I am. If I could play one-on-one with someone for their love, life would be so much easier.
0: I would never end up in a relationship. <laughs> uh, mine is a five-star coming from Les Vampires uh, who says, yeah, it's a very sexy movie. Double or Nothing is one of the most romantic lines, maybe ever. And the leads are incredible. But can we shout out the sexiest part? The filming of basketball. I'm not a sports movie fan. Often the sports itself in these films is so perfunctorily shot that I just wanted over to get to the interpersonal conflict surrounding the sport. But here, holy crap, is this a gorgeous way to shoot basketball that is so intimate and personal. There's this incredible fluidity to the shooting as well as an insane precision to the movies, to the moves. The way it weaves in perspectives. It's always close up, rarely relying on far away shots, and the editing, oh my god. There's one edit that is just flawless. Not to take away from the rest of the film which is truly excellent, but I was blown away that that a first-time director had this much control and this much willingness to experiment. Also, now having seen two of her films, I am so goddamn mad at Hollywood for letting this talent only make four films in 20 years.
1: I want what's the edit that is flawless? I'm trying to think what that is.
0: I don't know. I was wondering you know, the same thing.
1: I did. I did there write down... There is one that a, cuts to a guitar. Uh, the, yeah, the Spanish guitar. The hard like, cut yeah, to the w-
0: Spanish guitar is amazing. I wrote that
1: down. Yeah. I wrote that down, too. Like, nice edits. Yeah, from the ball up to the guitar. I wrote that exact thing. Um, but I, I had edit. Like, I... I always take note like when there's some really clever edits and I did write that down. Yeah. So, it's probably maybe it's that.
0: I'm going to say it's that. I mean cause since both you and I had that same thing without having talked about it before, I think that's it. That's the one I'm going to go Interesting
1: call out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're 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 saying that's what it is. Les vampires. Les
0: vampires. Yeah. We. Oui. That's it. We oui, we. Oui. Oui. Uh yes, outstanding and uh love the best.
1: <laughs> I just want to say Francis also commented on that. What was the edit? <laughs> still no reply. That was a year ago. So <laughs> uh,
0: that's too funny. Uh, but there is one more that uh, uh, that uh, Brian actually pointed out to us in in the chat the the um, uh, review from uh, Curtis who said my only complaint Debbie Morgan and Alfred Woodard aren't on screen enough as the characters' mothers. Maybe there can be an offshoot film about their characters, which I would absolutely watch. There's just it's just. Uh, Guildenstern are dead the whole thing Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead the whole thing but it's just the moms I would watch that movie 100% uh,
1: yes absolutely All right, so good thanks Letterboxd I don't know if you've ever sounded as white as you just sounded
0: nope no it's impossible not to so I just lean in
1: all you needed was a British accent to make it just sound that much right. more white
0: All's fair in love and basketball, baby.
1: Oh, well,
0: <laughs> So good. <laughs> it's so good, really. Yeah, keep that version. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM.